Welcome to the Dental CEO Show. I'm Dr. Sam Dar. And I'm Samantha Leonard. And we are the co-founders of Stream Dental HR. We started the show to talk about everything they didn't teach us in dental school, about running a business, managing a team, and being a leader. And as the CEO and office managers, it's your responsibility to hire the right people, onboard and integrate them with the right systems, motivate, engage, and lead them to success. With our experience owning, managing, and operating six multi-million dollar practices, we learned a thing or two on what not to do and eventually what our secret formula for success was. And it all boiled down to people and processes. That's what brought us lots of profit and success. Join us as we dive into everything from hiring, leadership, communication, systems, scaling, and HR. The most fundamental pieces to turn your practice from survival mode into growth mode. Welcome to the Dental CEO Podcast. Last time we met, I was in the hot seat and Samantha, my former office manager and my current partner, had me in the hot seat and she was asking the question. Today, we're going to turn it around. On this episode, we'll discuss the role of an office manager from my former office manager's point of view. Basically, I want to ask Samantha, who started with me as a rock star dental assistant, then grew into this position. We'll learn that the trials and tribulations of being an office manager and break down any misconceptions from hiring and onboarding to office manager being a key role in your practice's growth plan. I firmly believe that from my last podcast, you know how much I believe in the role uh, of of an office manager. Uh, It is absolutely essential in my mind. But today, I want to be neutral. Today, I'll be asking Samantha to give me her opinion, and that's what I'm interested in, and that's what I want to share with you. Samantha, good to see you again today, as always, on a nice weekend day, nice sunny day. So I hope your day is going well so far. Well, thank you very much. It honestly feels weird being on the other side and having someone ask me questions. So I'm a little nervous. I uh, know. You know what? We'll, we'll take it easy. It's 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 informal, but informative. But I'm actually, truth be told, I want everybody to know that this has not been rehearsed. I'm actually interested in hearing your answers as well, because I see things through my eyes, but I and my colleagues want to see things through your eyes for the next 40 minutes or so. So Tell me, from an admin perspective, what is an office manager to you? Well, to me, an office manager really is the integrator of the business. They're the ones that are focusing on making sure that the day-to-day operations are running smoothly. So in other words, you're doing dentistry and I am going to be taking care of the business. So I'm looking at the team. I'm focusing on the patients. I'm focusing on the business. Um, And really focusing on streamlining operations is really what helps Um, that business scale and grow. Because if we're all just kind of doing our day-to-day tasks and we're never focusing on growth, we're not going to see that growth ever happen. Um, And another key aspect, of course, is the team part. So making sure that almost they've got a little HR manager hat on. So they're the ones who are hiring. They're doing the reviews. They're overseeing onboarding and training of new employees and, and providing the corrective actions or having to terminate. So the whole goal is that this integrator is helping the visionary, aka the dentist, the business owner, really focus on their expertise and their zone of genius. And the office manager is focused solely on growth. Perfect. Perfect. And, and as it should be, as a matter of fact, and you hit the nail right on the head. But let me ask you another question that you asked me last time. How did you grow into uh, the office manager position? How 
how did you see it? Because last time we talked about either hiring from the outside or from promoting within. You're a perfect example from promoting from within. So how did you grow into it? Just tell me a little bit about your experience. Well, you know, thankfully it all, you sparked it. <laughs> so you definitely saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And I feel like this is very, um, you know, this happens quite often within our industry, right? We have a key personnel who is just amazing and, and is your right hand and helps the business grow. And then they just get promoted from within. So really there's no formal training in any of those areas. And I know you supported me so much when it came to learning all of those new roles and responsibilities. So, um, you know, at times I was the IT person, I was doing accounting, I was doing payroll marketing, I everything. So as coming from a dental assistant, all I knew was teeth and how to uh, assist you and how to provide beautiful smiles to patients. That was it. So having to learn the business side was really, really the tough part. And you supported me so much and really mentored me and helped put me into different uh, trainings um, and gave me the resources that I needed to learn. Um, so really it, you know, that it goes back into the leadership part. So having you helping me throughout those years and empowering me to go from looking at more of a, you know, a manager to becoming a leader, right? And the way that I think of it is um, there's this quote by Steve Jobs that says management is about persuading people to do things they don't want to do, while leadership is about inspiring people to do things they never thought they could. And if you think about that, like Steve Jobs really changed the technology space. He invented, um, you know, the, his industry and his brand with, with Audible, right? That was something that nobody had ever done before. And even though we're not in it, the tech space or creating a software or anything like that, we're creating beautiful smiles, but we are operating our business in a time that we've never had to operate like before. So we have to do things differently and we have to really change our systems, change our leadership, change how we grow and support our team members through these really, really difficult times. So this is where it's really important when, you know, yeah. someone like yourself who finds a great team member to really support them, giving them the tools and resources that, that they need to thrive and helping them, um, giving them the direction and that clarity on how they need to grow the business and how we grow together. Perfect. So, and in, 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 I'm, I'm glad to see that we're on the same page because Samantha, the way I see it is it's a pyramid and sitting on top of that pyramid is the doctor or is the dental CEO. And the idea behind it is I wanted to uh, delegate to you as much as I can, because the more I supported you, the more I taught you, uh, the more I opened your horizons, the easier my job was. So the idea is I don't want it to be dereliction of duty. I don't want to uh, send it all to you and say, don't ever text me, call me or get in touch with me or ask me questions because that would be dereliction of duty. That would be bad for the business. But the idea was I want to delegate to you. I want to teach you. I want to share with you my thinking as well because um, having sort of a common vision would help the business at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. the figure, the more I taught you, the more I supported you, the more we work together, the better you'll become and the easier my job will be for selfish, for selfish reasons as well. But it, I could not be as a dental CEO, I could not be hands off completely either. I, I still wanted to be involved, but sort of I'll let you sort of 
filter everything. So by the time you get to me, instead of having 50 questions, you'll have two or three questions. And that's the whole point behind it. And boy, did you master that. So that, that that's perfect. Now let, let's look, Samantha, let's look at it from sort of other doctors. Let, let's sort of validate other doctors' opinions. And I'm going to ask you a silly question, but a straightforward question. How are office managers uh, underestimated? Like why doesn't every doctor have an office manager in the office? Or how are those the, the dude is underestimated by, by many doctors nowadays. What, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I definitely think, like you said, I think there's no real clear definition or understanding or there's multiple understandings of what an office manager should be. And most of the time we see practices where the office managers are essentially glorified receptionists. Yes. So they're still, you know, booking appointments. They're still in their... They're heavy in the actual tasks and operations, as opposed to focusing their, their time and their energy on things that are actually driving the business forward or big, bringing revenue in. Yeah. And so a lot of the times when practice owners have office managers as, you know, glorified receptionists, they think, well, my office manager isn't doing a good job. They're not good. They're not a great manager or a great leader. And it's not because they're bad at what they do. It's mm -hmm. because we never really set them up for success. So that's sure. usually where we see that biggest disconnect or another times where, um, you know, certain business owners and, you know, I had a difficult time as well is just having that trust, right? Like this, I'm trusting my business and trusting um, something that I built that I treat and view as my baby, right? Because you yes. poured so much blood, sweat, and tears into it. And what if this person ruins it? Or what if this person steals money from me? Or worst case scenario, what if, what if? And so we don't really trust them with the roles and responsibilities that are involved in management and growth and operations. And they end up just bulldozing them. So half the time they'll give them a list of 10, 15 things I want you to focus on. And then by that time, that person is invested all that time and energy and resources to, to actually take care of that list, they come through and they change it in the middle of it, or yeah. they add an extra 100 things. So this is extremely deflating for office managers. Um, you know, micromanagement doesn't inspire any sort of leadership or growth. It really is probably, you're probably going to have the office manager quit very, very soon. And then practice owners think, okay, well, office, I guess I don't need an office manager, right? So this is where that, um, I feel like those, those myths, um, the unknowns, and really just not having that clear direction or that definition of what does my business need in an office manager to help me succeed and thrive. Perfect. And I want to add a footnote in here as well, Samantha, that if sometimes the office manager were to jump in and and replace a sick assistant or someone who's away for any valid personal reasons, as under, um, a dental assistant or, or a receptionist, we're not talking about that. Those are rather the exceptions rather than the rules, of course. Uh, but you're right about that. If if uh, if I what I see it, and I think I, I sort of. I'm jumping in, even though you're not asking me, the office manager is like a maestro. So if you get the maestro and an orchestra to come in and play a single instrument, they cannot supervise all the other instruments. It's okay if someone is, you know, needs it for two to three minutes, either they go in and, and do it. But the, the office manager is, is like a maestro supervising every single one, especially that they understand every single position. So again, that this is the exception rather than the rule. And thank you for bringing this up because some of my colleagues do treat the office manager like a glorified either personal assistant or receptionist, which should not be the case. Yeah. Now, you fit well into this case. Now, let's pick, let me pick your brain about what if you have like 
a gem employee, a gem team member that has potential to be an office manager? How would you handle that? Well, it's so exciting to, to have somebody like that on your team, you know, a rock star who with just some mentorship and training can really be that key yeah. to just putting that your business into hyperdrive. But it really, we can't just throw them into that. And that's something that I often see as well, is that yeah. um, all of a sudden we're taking this dental assistant and plugging them into this major role and major position. And we've never really set them up for success because we don't know what we need in an office manager to make that position or that role successful to begin yeah. with. So it really starts with the business owner to have a clear understanding of what the business needs right now. So putting together a job description, not only with you know the, the tasks and the responsibilities, but also the objective, like what are these key performing indicators or benchmarkers that this office manager is responsible right. for and for them to manage and measure to ensure that we're moving in the right direction because th this is our roadmap. And then, you know, once we have that uh, direction, then it's easy for us to start reviewing this person's existing roles and responsibilities and how can I take this person from point A to point B? Like what kind of training do I need to give them so they understand these new roles and responsibilities and the new direction that we're moving into? and really just planning out that transition period, right? So making sure that not only do you have this vision of this person being in that office manager role, but that person also wants to be in that role, or maybe they have no idea that you're even planning on putting them into this position, and that's not something that they're looking for. So really that communication um, is super, super important. But when you have that clear direction and figuring out what's involved in this position, where do we wanna go, how do I want this business to look like in six months or 12 months and two years? And how is this person going to help me? Then it's much easier for you to actually take this and go to that person and sit down mm -hmm. with them and plan them and talk to them about your vision, uh, talk to them about the direction, getting their input. And, you know, hopefully they buy in and they just are excited about this position, but now they have a timeline. Now there's a game plan that they know, okay, in the next three months, we're going to focus on me learning this skill. And then once I reach this, then that's probably uh, time for me to start transitioning more into this role. And guess what? We're going to have to hire and find somebody to replace me, right? So there's just so many moving parts that unfortunately we just can't pop and just, you know, have a, a magic wand that makes this all happen in two days. Yeah. This is more of like a six month or a year transition plan. Perfect. And, 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 you know, Samantha, these are you, again, you, you're getting it right on. And this is one of the reasons why we were successful at doing what we did is because we did see eye to eye, you know, so we were communicating almost non-verbally. So we, we read each other's minds, obviously from your answers uh, now and from the success that we attained over the years, uh, but it's good to hear it out loud. Now, let me ask you the next question. How do you successfully, whether it's internally or externally, how do you successfully hire and onboard a lifelong office manager? Definitely. Well, the same rules apply, right? Yeah. Like knowing where we want to go, having that clarity, um, because sometimes another thing that we, we see happen in, in most of the practices and most people, I've done this before as well. When I'm looking to hire somebody, I want to, I end up leaning towards hiring somebody who's very similar to me. We have the same books that we like to, yeah. to read or podcasts or, or TV shows or what have you. So we're kind of looking at more of that emotional side and that personal side versus what the yeah. business needs. Cool. What do we need? Who's the right fit? Um, and 
then based off of that, really understanding what questions do I need to ask them so that I'm making sure I'm finding that right person. Uh, what are some qualifiers so that during the first month, two months, three months, I'm making sure this person's growing and they not only you know talk the talk in their interview, but now in the 90 days, we're seeing if they can walk the walk, right? So it's just really having those, uh, those clear structures and systems in place to be able to do those check-ins, uh, to be able to support them and to, you know, ensure that this person is the right fit for the business because, I mean, that wrong person can definitely impact the business and ruin so much of the work that you've worked so hard to build in that reputation. So this is why we, you know, this is why Stream exists, first of all, yeah. because we, most practice owners and, and you and I had this experience where we're learning. Uh, we didn't get taught how to be an HR personnel or manage people in school. And all of a sudden we're having to hire, we're having to train and onboard and do all of these pieces, but we don't have structure. So we're just guessing the entire way throughout all of it, making mistakes and then starting, you know, not taking that time to figure out what do I need to change the next time. And so we're just doing the same perpetuating, you know, problems constantly. So it's really making sure that you have that clear structure and direction even before it's time to hire somebody. Uh, it's funny, uh, let me look at it from the, uh, from the CEO or from the doctor's position. This is a time if, if you haven't had an office manager before, or if, if you're, it's a new practice altogether, this actually is the time of reflection, of deep thinking for the doctor to say, okay, well, what are my goals? What, because whatever you're, you're, you're training your office manager to do, you relate, you're relating your vision to that person. So this is a time if you have no clarity, this is a time, and, and I'm addressing the doctor uh, in, in, uh, in here and the, or the, the dental CEO is, this is the time to get clarity. This is the time to sit down and figure out what you want and then relaying that message rather than taking your ideas all crumbled up and then just relaying them and hoping that the office manager were clarified because this will make it a lot more difficult for both you and the office manager. So I just wanted to add my two cents in there. Now, let me ask you the next question, Samantha. When I hired you, without any office manager experience. And it was actually relatively soon after hiring you, I, you know, I just realized you have the qualities that I'm looking for. And I think, I, in my opinion, my experience, I thought you'd make an office, a uh, great office manager, but what were the challenges you experienced the most? So tell me things that you may never have told me in the past, but you know, be candid with our audience. Tell me what were the, the, the challenges you experienced the most? For me, and I'm sure many people can relate, it's just confidence, right? It's yeah. I'm in this new position, um, completely different role. And now people, instead of me following what other people were telling me to do, uh, now I'm telling other people what they need to be doing, right? <laughs> so yeah. it was just that confidence in changing my, my mindset, my approach, and really stepping into that role as a leader. Um, and you really, really helped me with that in understanding, first of all, your decisions, your directions, how you think, um, how you want things to be done. And that I really use that to, to help me make the right decisions and what those right decisions look like and how you want the business to be running so that I can then train the team. So it was really 
I'd probably say quite a few months where I was just soaking everything in. Everything you mm. saw me all the time walking around with a notebook. Any you know question I, I asked remember. You, <laughs> <laughs> any yeah. question I asked you, and you would give me an answer, and I'm like, okay, note for next time, Samantha. You know, right. like, and then so in that way, instead of me coming to you with that same question, I already know this is what you're looking for. And then instead of me coming to ask you what I should do, I go, here's option A, B, C, or D. What do you like? And then you would say B, and I would know that for next time, this is the direction that he's going to want so that I can start making those decisions. And then my confidence started to build. So I would definitely say that the biggest challenge for me was just that confidence level of being being in a leadership role, um, not having that confidence in myself, and then really not knowing what's in, you know, uh, what, uh, how to do 90% of the things uh, in that position. So. Yeah, but you know what, if, if you recall, you did, I recall very well, every time I saw you coming in, oh, oh, here comes more questions. You know what, I took the time to give you an explanation and a justification for the answer as well, so that it, next time there's a similar situation, you know what to do. But some there are times where the situation be somewhat similar, but the circumstance is a bit different. So I wanted you to use logic rather than sort of word processing and say, hey, that's the answer from last time. I'm gonna plug it in here. Uh, I wanted you to sort of use logic as to, this is how Dr. Dar justified it. Uh, this time, the, the, some of the circumstances are a bit different. Maybe I should go back and ask him, or it's clear in my head that, for instance, quality control or patient control comes first, uh, and I'm gonna make my decision based on that. So uh, you're absolutely right about that. But let me ask you the next, maybe a little bit tougher question. What were the tasks that you hated the most? HR. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, truth comes in. You know, I want to hear this, and I'm hearing this for the first time. <laughs> uh, yeah, HR. HR was definitely difficult. Like, I mean, hiring people, I loved it because I felt like it was just exciting because, you know, we were very lucky in our career together that, we, the only time we needed to hire was because of growth. We had great team members. They were long-term. Yeah. Um, so I never really dreaded the hiring because it just meant like, oh, next level. Like we're growing. This is exciting. Yeah. Um, but the ugly part of things, right? You know, there, there was only a couple of terminations that we had to do together. And that definitely was, and it's still difficult for me. It, yeah. My personality type is I'm very conflict averse. I, uh, I'm an extremely high I, which means I love interaction with people and that's what drives my energy. And so when I have to do the opposite, it basically completely yeah. throws me out of my comfort zone. So, um, you know, I was really grateful and, and it's super important when you have a good solid HR system and a good policy manual and job descriptions that it takes the emotional side out of the termination. It's, and it's more so of this is the company policies. This is the company expectations. Um, you know, we've, we've helped you on several occasions. Here's the trainings that we've given you um, and the support to help you grow in these positions, but unfortunately did not meet company expectations. That's much easier to terminate somebody than, yeah. you know, without having any of those pieces. So um, that honestly, HR and terminations was the things that I didn't like the most. And yet, look at us now. We've got an HR company. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> Out of necessity and because we've learned, right? And it's funny. Just to add, Samantha, I don't think any of us 
any of the doctors love the termination part either, uh, but it is something that needs to be done. You just have to think of it the way I think of it when I'm terminating someone, especially if on a personal level, you like that person, you have to remind yourself you're doing this for the for the betterment of the practice, for the for the for the overall good of the team, because that might be a wonderful person as an individual, but as a team member, he or she didn't fit, or they weren't performing their duties, or they didn't take the time to implement themselves, or it can simply be just not a good fit. The chemistry uh, is not there sometimes. And my advice, again, as 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 a business owner, as 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 a doctor, is to not let them linger on because you're not giving you're not doing them a service either let them go on with their life as well and in the meantime you want to avoid any toxicity in the office so at the back of my mind i actually psych myself up before as i just remind myself as to why am i letting this person go and i walk in knowing that as as ugly as it may sound it's actually good for both parties and that's how i do it but it's good to know that it's not just me though um yeah. listen samantha as we're still with this with this uh podcast and as i'm putting you in the hot seat let me ask you to give me the top three lessons that you learned as an office manager and those are lessons that you've learned on the job as an office manager and not something that you learned prior to that in other words you came on um you you started you know you you, you dove in head first and you start you you wanted to swim and make sure you don't sink uh, and, and one day you look back and said, hey, these are the top three lessons. If I were to share with my best friend or one, with my kid's sister, uh, so as honest as you can be, what would be those top three lessons? Um, that's definitely a tough one. Um, I would definitely say that number one for me was communication. Okay. Um, how important communication is, but not just not meaning that, hey, we need to have more team meetings. It's more of how do I communicate effectively with my team members, right? So that the words I'm saying are coming out the way that I mean them and they're interpreting it that way and then they can go on and operate in that fashion. So it's really just having that clear communication of what your expectations are, what your deadlines are, the accountability process, the intentions. Um, so let me give you an example of, of what the right communication would look like. So, you know, you and I have personally experienced this not only in you know the ortho style days, but also now within Stream Dental HR, is that anytime we would launch a new product or a new system, it really starts with training the team effectively. So A, they understand what we're doing, why we're doing it. And then as we're starting to implement it, it's important to have those debrief check-ins, right? So in that way, you're you're checking in with them, you're getting their feedback. Yeah. They're communicating to you what are the bottlenecks, what's working, what's not. And then we take that time together to reflect what those issues are and we fix them. Then we go back, we continue operating, we check in again, and we see, are things getting better? Are they getting worse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most of the time things are getting better, right? And that's how you really grow and scale. But if we're just operating with our heads down all the time, you know, I'm just parking orders or micromanaging, you know, it's, it doesn't foster any growth. Um, or doesn't get your team involved in the actual process and getting them involved in the business and feeling like they're stakeholders, just like you did with me. You know, you checked in with me, you explained things to me, um, you empowered me. Um, so it's the same thing that we want to do with the rest of the team. And then I, I would say number two was really, you know, understanding that um, the responsibilities always fall back on 
on you as the office manager, right? And as much as sometimes things go wrong and things always go wrong or mistakes are made, um, that might be other people's faults. But at the end of the day, it's still my fault because I'm the one who's in charge of the operations. I'm the one who's managing the team. So it's, it's, you can't just blame another person. It's really going back and going, okay, well, what can I do differently to lead this team member? So maybe I need to train them more. Um, maybe I need some better accountability systems, or maybe this person, like you said, isn't a great fit. And maybe I need to make the necessary changes so that we can find a better person for this position. So again, the responsibility is always on the office manager and it's always on the owner on how we can continue to improve and grow the business. Um, and then I'd probably say number three would uh, be investing in you know, my own personal growth and development. So, um, you know, really soaking in um, as much as I could when it came to having, you know, a podcasts or books. Um, I joined masterminds in different communities to be able to learn and get inspired from other people. I had you as a mentor, and that really just changed my mindset from focusing on managing, which I don't like that word manage because yeah. it's really just managing a task as opposed to leading somebody and empowering them. So then I had to figure out what a leader was. Um, so just, I read a ton of leadership books. One of my favorite ones was The Leader Who Had No Title by Robin Sharma. And that really just taught me how to have that mindset, um, how to influence other people, how to balance when some days I don't feel like leading people and <laughs> I want somebody to lead me and help me and tell me what to do. Um, so it's definitely that balance or, or another book that I love is Traction by Gino Wickman. And that one is, is amazing about systems because as a manager, you need to look at leadership, but you need to look at operations, which is systems. So how do I turn this business into a well-oiled machine? What kind of structures and systems can I put into place? How do I um, inspire and, and, and lead other people so that we're all moving and creating this well-oiled machine? So mm -hmm. you know, just really focusing on your personal growth and development is going to also not only improve the business, but it's also going to improve how you communicate and how you influence and how you grow and lead the rest of your mm -hmm. team. Okay, perfect. And it's... it's uh... It's nice to listen to you here. Can you tell me the name of that book again by Robin Sharma? Is it The Leader Who Had No Title? Yes. I actually haven't read that one. I think I'm going to pick that one up and then uh, and read it. I love the one Traction by uh, Gina Wickman. That's uh, that's awesome. I read that. So um, listen, you've you've done an amazing job uh, as as an office manager and even now as a partner. Uh, and and you're a very good communicator. And that was one of the things that that um, actually sort of raised my my piqued my interest in the first place is that how well you communicate, how well you structure your sentences, how well you educate the patients. Because big part, I mean, in this uh, dental sort of uh, CEO podcast, we talk about the business. Uh, I want everybody to understand the the business of dentistry, the clinical aspect of it is remains the most important part, right? We're not focusing on that. We're not teaching doctors how to how to perform dentistry. Dental school is for that, right? And that's why we call it practice because we keep practicing and we keep improving. That's why we call them practices. But just because we're focusing on this, it doesn't mean that the clinical aspect is not important, not at all. But there were times where we we sort of stood in solidarity, so to speak. I remember a time, I don't know if you remember this, a patient came in to see us for consultation for Invisalign. Uh, and I believe it was a difficult case. It was a surgical case, but it was a case that I've treated the same type of malocclusion 
hundreds of times. So I know it's a difficult case and I know there's a handful of doctors that can handle it with Invisalign. So I told the patient that, hey, you need surgery. Um, this gentleman was uh, uh, was in a position uh, in, in his company. I think he was the owner of his own company, as a matter of fact, in real estate. So he says, I need to interact with people. And as a, you know, I think he was 57 or 58 years old. He goes, I can't have braces on my teeth. And I said, as a matter of fact, even if you ask for braces, I would rather treat you with Invisalign with this case. So the gentleman disappeared and we haven't heard from him three months later. I think it was you or uh, or maybe someone in the office called and asked and says, well, my other orthodontist told me that Invisalign cannot treat my teeth, so I'm not coming. I'm back or something silly to that effect. And I remember getting on the phone and saying, so you believe that somebody else telling you what I am capable of doing is accurate? And then he paused. He actually had to pause and, and, and think because, yeah, you're right. I go, well, my colleague doesn't know what I'm capable of doing. And, and Invisalign doesn't treat you. I treat you using the Invisalign system. So there's a big difference. So you're relying on somebody else's opinion to tell me. And then I think when you took over the phone, you pretty much finished the message. And it was exactly we were both thinking the same thing. And then and, and this is why we know we're in sync. The last point I want to mention here is just because we're in sync and we're on the same page, it doesn't mean we don't disagree. We did disagree, as a matter of fact, and disagreement is healthy. So long as we don't, we don't become abusive using our words and our behavior, disagreement is healthy, just like with marriage, for heaven's sake. So I do not want you to think that this is sort of the Bill Cosby show. It always ends up with a hug at the end of the day. It's not. It's, it's, there are disagreements. The disagreements are healthy. And there are times where you want those arguments and you proved that your point was right. But you did that using logic. And, and logic always wins with me, right? So I want all our audience to understand uh, just, just because you're in sync and you're on the same page, you're not going to agree on every single point. But ultimately, debate is healthy. Because the, the whatever decision ends up happening, whether uh, the office manager's opinion or whether the doctor's opinion, at the end of the day, you're both going to decide on what's best for the practice. So please keep that bit of information uh, on the back of your mind as well. Samantha, thank you. You've been uh, you've always been a good host. And today, as a guest, you've done an amazing job. Thank you. I'm looking forward to putting you on the hot seat in the future again. And to all our audience, thank you all for joining us. I hope it was helpful. I hope it helped you. At least it stimulated the thinking process. And if we managed to do that, then we've succeeded. You know, um, again, there's more than one way to skin the cat, but you know, principles should be the same. Approaches may be different, but the principles should always be, be the same. So thank you for joining us and, and stay tuned for more podcasts. Have a fantastic day. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Join us on our next episode for more great conversations, strategies, and inspirations to help you grow and scale your team and business. If you love our show, make sure to leave a review, share it with your fellow dental friends, and remember to follow us and join our email list at streamdentalhr.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and even TikTok. See you next time.